This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts, currently selling classic and clearance lines with products from £5 upwards. They've got shops in Manchester and London, and elsewhere around the world, actually. I think they've got one in Ireland. Um, You can order online. Listeners to this show get a discount of 10% with TOTD10. I'm Wayne Barton, joined as always by uh, former Manchester United defender Paul Parker. Um, How are you doing, Paul? I'm good, Wayne. Bit cold because it is very icy down here. Well, in Essex it is anyway. I don't know what it's like up there in in your area, but it's quite icy down here. Well, it won't surprise you to know that Manchester is rainy and miserable, oh. and indeed, yes, very cold. Um, <laughs> the creaking bones are are in full effect. Um, yeah, and must, you must be hearing me down the phone then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and likewise, hopefully there'll be no creaking bones on the line. Um, <laughs> But yeah, do you know, um, let's talk about the West Brom game. Manchester United won West Brom nil. Um, Saturday night kickoff, 8 o'clock. Definitely, if, if you've got the heating on, want to fall asleep to. Um, poor game, pragmatic selection. We'll talk through um, the game before we pick at those bits. Um, seen a few people quote the stats, and it's difficult to know where to, to look at it, really. You know, um, United might have had a number of chances they said that United played really well um, that Johnstone played really well in the West Brom goal and I don't dispute that you know he did make a couple of saves and on another day with better finishing it might have been three or four 
On the other hand, um, United generally struggled against one of the worst teams in the division, left themselves open to a couple of sucker punches that might have been even more painful without the dis- defensive screen that was put in front of that back line. Paul, where do you stand on that? I mean, it was a, it wasn't an easy watch. But um, do you think that United played better than the one nil, or do you think that re- really it was a, a one nil kind of game? I think they started reasonably bright. I would say the team, we can say that still it was more positive than what it has been. The team, in the sense of there was only really well, in in a way there was more dyna- there was more dynamic in the sense of. There was Matic in there who does pass the ball forward quicker. It seemed to work that way initially. But I think I have to say is that after that initial burst, West Brom grew more and more into the game and looked very threatening every time they got the ball into the final third with their enthusiasm and um, their movement. Mm. Because again, the back four, I'm going to have to say through the middle, they looked so vulnerable against any kind of every time there was a, a bit of pace it caused a massive problem but um, as the game went on you just it was it was difficult to change and I, I see a lot of people starting a game when things ain't going right they question matter they straight away said he, you know if you know there's one of them saying it, you know matter's playing and you've got van der Beek on the line I still wonder I mean I still got a lot of time for matter but I think if you're going to use it, if you're going to play him, you have to use him by giving him the ball as often as possible. And the moment he came in off the touchline and went through the middle, there was a five-minute spell where he caused a problem. But you have to find him, mm. and it didn't really materialise. Wayne, they didn't do it, and then straight away he's the first player to get the hook. There was a lot of players who could have had the hook. To be perfectly honest, I, I look at Rashford, who, in my opinion, was very poor. Mm. He's um, on the get caught in possession, giving the ball away cheaply. Uh, Martial, um, I think if there was a more, if I can say this, maybe not one of them, if there was a more natural goal scorer, let's put it this way, the shot he had where Sam Johnson saved to his left-hand side. Mm, the early one. Yeah, the early one. If that had been Fernandes, Fernandes would have looked that side. He would have been looking, but the ball would have gone in at the near post. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the that's the difference between Martial and someone who finishes. Andy Cole would have finished that in that in that sense. And there was just a few. You just look at it there, and you you do you just. I'm I'm still wondering. Martial's not having a good time in the Premier League. You've gone out and got a world-renowned centre forward sitting on the bench. Why doesn't he start? Yeah. Why has it? Let why hasn't started? Just into Martial for a little bit before we go on to the rest of the game because that was one thing that it was frustrating to me watching uh, Martial's game. I didn't think he played very well, um, but also there were two instances that I was going to bring up. First of all, that shot that you mentioned there, um, where you know you would have thought a more natural striker would have snapped that up, but then the second one where he went looking for a penalty, um, the balls at his feet, he shuffles his feet. A better striker with more, I don't know, would you say confidence even, more confidence in his own ability, more natural desire to want to score a goal, takes that on. I know he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't in the best position, but he could. A, a striker with more natural ability could have fashioned an opportunity from there. We, I'm not, yes, obviously, you mentioned Andy Cole there as a great example, but, you know, yes, we have been spoiled with great strikers over the years. But that's the point. That's that's where he is. That's the point of what he's trying to achieve. Is he's, he's trying to join that line of strikers and seeing go down for a penalty is 
so disappointing in that situation. And, and you mentioned Cavani; he's an obvious choice as, as someone who's there on the bench. But then he must be such a difficult player to manage, Paul. Because I mean, if he takes Martial out, you're going to get the big sulk on him. Do you think maybe sw- swapping him with Rashford might be, you know, like put Rashford through the middle and Martial through the left? That that might. Um, all I'm saying is that I think. Ollie has to be cruel to be kind, has to not show any sentiment. He's going to have to play what he sees as these better players, experience, Cavani, Van der Beek. Van der Beek comes on and straight away you know he's on the pitch. Mm. He's in and around where that ball is. He's, you've seen him, he's, he's going, he's, he's throwing himself into there. You can just sit, the moment he come on, straight away you see that, there we are, there's an impact and he's not an impact player, but he wants to go in there and prove a point, and he's trying hard to do that. has to be rewarded soon with a start, and then a game after that as well. Cavani has to start, and I don't know, I'm not bothered about left and right at the moment. They need someone on that pitch, Manchester United, who's a proven goal scorer, who teams are going to go, he's a proven goal scorer, he's scored goals all over Europe, he has scored goals in World Cups. Um, we've, got, we've got someone to keep our eye on. And 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 he's and, he, and he's a threat. Martial isn't a threat like Cavani is to to, to opposing teams. It's it's as simple as that. And I don't know who's going to play right and left because at the moment right and left there are so many inconsistencies with Martial, with Greenwood, and with Rashford. And people keep saying, oh, their goal scoring, what they've done. Was it last season they scored more goals than Liverpool front three? The Liverpool front three, when they're having a bad time, they're still putting teams under pressure. Mm. I'll go back in time. Mark Hughes is having a bad time. He's having a bad game. But the problem is that, or the issue is, or the strength is, the centre half is having a bad time as well. Yeah. Because Mark Hughes is making his job difficult. It doesn't matter about him maybe, you know, missing an opportunity, not having the best touch, which is a rarity for Mark Hughes. Not doing this, not doing that. That centre half isn't winning headers easy. That centre half is not playing out through the back because he's got Mark Hughes stamping all over his thighs. And, that, and, and that's the difference. Mark, you know, everyone's having, everyone, everyone can have a bad game. It's human nature. But then you make it difficult for other people. You start thinking about your decisions. Why is Rashford trying to beat three or four players like that? That's not really Heath game. If it comes off, it's great. If it doesn't, it looks awful. And I watched the trudge back. There's no desire to try and get the ball back. The same with Martial, to get the ball back. And, and it's, a, it's a big problem. So Oli... As much as he wants, you know, the look at things, oh, they've done better. They're not doing it consistently. And to be successful, you have to be consistent. One in every three isn't, isn't good enough mm. if, you're, if you're Manchester United. And, and, it, and, it, and it's failing at the moment in time because if it was to click, there's an opportunity here to go and win the Ghost League title. <laughs> the Ghost League title. No, yeah. but it's right. And, and, you know, you mentioned one in three. And that... W- this is the problem with us. Um, I say us, not me and you, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, let's say, people watching United for the last few years. That one in three, we've invested in that because you think that the two in three comes as a matter of um, as a matter of progression and confidence and you know experience. But the problem is that the one in three can happen against any team. It can, you know, the one in the t- I mean, the two in three can happen against any team. You know, the two the two bad games, and they could happen against, as we saw, West Brom, or against a team like Chelsea or Man City. They they can happen in any game, and 
when he goes disappearing like Martial did against West Brom that's the biggest red flag isn't it we saw on his debut what he could do to Liverpool but then when you see after four years in the team that he can be like that against West Brom that's a matter of huge concern it is and the thing about he's been there four years now but he's not proven Mm. there's still people are still that little bit sceptical not a little bit, maybe some more than others, but there's still that little bit about him that people are not sure about. And he's been there four years, coming at like a, a package deal of like 50 million, <laughs> which was incredible money yeah. at that given time. And it's still incredible money for me to actually to believe that he is worth 50, he cost Manchester United 50 million, not this season, but four years ago. Yeah. So it's a lot of money, Wayne, for somebody who doesn't really... If it isn't going his way, he sulks. And when he gets given a lot of opportunities and then he still doesn't do it, he sulks. Mm. You know, and, it, and, it, and it's a worry. And if you have to be worried about taking him off or doing something because he's going to sulk, then it tells you, you haven't got the right person. You need to move on from there and say, I need to put the team first. More importantly for all you, I think he's got to put himself first. If he goes and starts with Cavani in the next game, people go, yeah, that's the right decision. Oli, you've stood up. You've, you've taken a step forward by doing that because the man's credentials says now you have to do that. And then we see what Cavani, Cavani can do with a few, knowing that he's got a few games under, going to get a few games under his belt to move on and to prove himself. But at this moment, him being what he is and what he is, how long is he going to stick with it when he keeps looking at the people in front of him and thinking, hold on a minute here, I'm not, I'm not sitting behind Suarez or Messi mm. or um, Lewandowski. I'm behind a, a young lad who, a, a matured lad now, because I mean, by the, by the time you're 25, 26, whatever, you, you're not young anymore in a, in a game of football. Mm. You know, it's, you know you're, you're at the back, you're, you're moving in almost, to, getting into the thresholds of, you know, 60, 70% of your career. Yeah. So he's going to look at that and think, no, I, I, I'm be- I need give me a run and let me see what I can do because I'm not going to stay around here because this is I'm, get- I'm getting on to the back end of the last few years. If I go this whole season without playing or getting a regular start, that's me questioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think you're absolutely right. And with Martial, because he's already been through two managers, not so much Van Gaal, I think that would be harsh because he played well in his first season. But certainly under Mourinho, he was being questioned for a bit. And obviously when a player's form drops That's probably going to coincide with the team's form dropping And if the team's form drops Then you're looking at possibly replacing the manager And when it's a race of time like that Then obviously if the player wins Then the player gets the benefit of the doubt Moving into the next manager Like it has happened with Oli But it's happening again So now Oli's got to make that call And like you said um, Cavani is definitely a, a player of pedigree um, And we'll, you know, obviously We'll be previewing tomorrow's Champions League game, and you would expect that Cavani will start in that. Um, let's let's clear up the the sort of talking points from the game then. Um, the penalty incidents, because there were two which really decided the game. The first one, Bruno Fernandez. For me, it's a 50-50 one. I think the, clearly the referees looked at it, and on the replay, he says, "Okay, he gets the ball. Just, I mean, just gets the ball before the natural collision of the shins." Which you should expect in a physical game, and that's that coming together. I would have saw, well, maybe the referee saw it as a 50 50 because it's momentum off the tackle, and and obviously 
he, he did sort of just get the ball um, and then I would have thought there's little complaint about the West Brom one because his arms are up um, again you might want to complain if it goes against you um, but Paul how, how did you view those two incidents? Well the one with the one with um, Bruno Fernandes the moment that happened and I was doing the radio again I said it's not a penalty mm. I knew it, I could just see it wasn't a penalty and a lot of it what gave me is the way that Bruno I look at I love I just look at players reactions all the time and I looked at how Conor Gallagher who's a good player had a good game He's, he's dug deep, come on loan from Chelsea. Saw him, saw him play a few times for Charlton, played very well. That, then they moved him on to Swansea, Chelsea, and now he's got where he is, and he's a good player. But he went down. You watched, the, there, was, mate, there, there was hardly, when people keep using this word contact, and I hate it when I'm listening to these, well, like me, ex-pros, pundits who are doing it, or kind of say, oh, there's contact. Listen, life is about contact about anything you you brush past people that person doesn't fall down that person will fall down if you knock them off balance that touch never knocked him off balance he went down and the way he went down didn't coincide in the way that if alleged if the alleged contact was made Mm. so so the referee should be able to see that and know that but anyway, there was, a, there was a touch on the ball. He did get to the ball. His reaction told me he got to the ball. He got to the ball. The way the ball deviated told me that he got to the ball. So in that instance, the referee has listened. The people then bottled it, um, bottled that situation. We have to remember as well, this is the referee who was taken off the Liverpool game because something that happened against Liverpool, wasn't it? Oh, the... Um, the the goalkeeping situation. He was the one yeah. who made it. Who didn't send off the goalkeeper. Mm. He didn't send off Pickford. So they took him off of that Liverpool game and they put him into put him into this game. Took him out and put him onto the Manchester United game. So what is he going to do this time? He's going to go and make sure he gets that decision right. Yes, he wants to get it right, but he wants to make sure he gets that he is in control of the situation so if he thinks it is or isn't a penalty he can stand by and argue his point rather than allowing people in the broom cupboard to do that for him and then he's going to have to somehow make sure that other people are right or wrong without actually believing what he's saying so he goes and looks at it he comes back correct decision not to give a penalty Hmm. but for me what he does go and do then is that he goes and books the player He's got to book the player because the player has dived. He has tried to cheat. And he's not only letting himself down, he's letting down other players. Because other players are working hard to get in bits and they're getting fouled, but they're not getting things because of people like people like them who keep diving. Yeah. That, that for me, I can't stand what's going on in the game today. And I'm there doing the radio and I'm there and I'm saying things and I think to myself, there's some new age fan on there now who doesn't, hasn't got a clue who Paul Parker is, saying, who is this old person with dust on him? He's just a, he's just a bitter and twisted ex-pro. That's what, that's what you get called when you make statements like that, because you say something like, or use those words, the game's changed. <laughs> and, that, and that's, and that's a, you say that, and all of a sudden you're bitter and twisted and you're old. Well, to be honest, life, life's changed, so we, we all get old anyway. So, in fact, if you, as a 16-year-old, you say, oh, oh well, that, when I was eight, that, I could have done that. Well, okay then, let's blow the dust off of you as well. But life doesn't work like that. So I'm just saying is that somewhere along the line, referees have got to start 
booking players. How many times did you watch? Have you watched games over this weekend, Wayne? In that one, even last night, I'm seeing players who overrun the ball, put their leg there, throw themselves to the floor, hold their back ankle or their neck because they can't yeah. make up which one's going to be better. All of a sudden, then all of a sudden they turn round, look at the referee. The referee's just maybe shook his head or not even looked at them, and the game carries on. Those players suddenly spring up, little limp, just to say to the boss, "Look, boss, he did touch me," and then they run back and carry on as normal. And yet I think to myself, why hasn't the referee said to him, if I see that again, I'm going to yell a card you for, and actually come and use this word for cheating. Yeah. And then that person should feel that he's cheated his teammates because if they broke away from there, then um, straight and go and score, he hasn't done his work because he's tried to cheat. Instead of understanding that he's miscontrolled the ball and getting himself in a shape to, to be able to defend to get it back. He's thrown himself to the floor, look, taking a cheap option out. And to be honest as well, if you're a manager, you don't want people like that in your team, do you? Hmm. When managers say, oh, someone touches, just go down, you think to yourself, well, that could go against you by that. Because as we always say, that old saying is, cheats never prosper. No, no. Do you, a little complaint about the West Brom penalty, uh, right? Oh, well, massive, the, the one that we, massive. you know, the one that United got. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't see that as a penalty. Yeah, I really don't see that. People can oh, but his arm was a wave. Yeah, I tell you what, you tell me how many people because not many people stand and someone's about to kick the ball at them and actually stand full on. Mm. Unless you're standing in a wall, people don't do it. Your reaction is to turn, get your body there, but turn away to protect. You want to protect your face. First yeah. and foremost, I don't know, which, depending which way you are around, you want to protect your face or your credentials. One of the two. So as you turn your body away, the first thing you're going to do is that you're going to turn away and your, arms, your arm is going to come round and your arms are going to slightly come up and they're going to come away from your body. They're yeah. going to, they are. That's what's going to happen. Not unless you've got, a, you've, got, you've got a pair of shorts on with slip pockets you can put your hands in there. Except, you know, it's impossible. So that's what happens. So straight away, that is a natural movement of a body. So, because he turns away, but he's not looking at the ball to say, I'm putting my hand up to the ball. It's to protect your face. Because the worst horrible feeling, if the ball doesn't get, if the ball hits from your credentials, you're in agony. All you want to go and do is sit on the toilet for a while and just kind of think about how life could be better. And for that moment, the other side of it, you want to protect your face because a ball hitting your face is a stinger or it could hit you right in the face on your nose and it could break your nose if it's hit hard enough. So you're protecting yourself. So to give that as a penalty is, is again, is this floodgate being open. It's just got to get back. Was it intentional? Was it intentional? If it's something as obvious, if your hands are above your head, then there's every chance that that's a penalty. But when it's that close to your body and you can see that it's a natural movement of what happens when you turn away, mm. then you've got to say, that's not a penalty. How many hands shout? Every time the ball goes and hits somebody, they shout, shout, shout. And, and it's like virtually like coming cricket, you know, become like, like cricket now. And it how's that all the time? And it's, it's getting a little bit pathetic, really, how, how it's going now, Wayne. And it's quite unenjoyable now that defenders can't even defend properly. I'm, everyone's going, oh, the defending's bad you're defending it seems like people are nicking little bits away from defenders and say well you can't do that you're going to try and make a tackle you stick your leg in and what happens is the forward has got incredible feet he's got dancing feet he skips the ball away from you and because your legs are already one he could use that to cheat to get a free kick when 
there's an obvious he could just carry on running but what could happen is that he, the player could honestly have put his leg in to win the ball the forward is that quick with the ball his feet are incredible and he catches him mm. the referee comes across and goes here yellow card and there was no intent to hurt the player. It was an honest attempt to get the ball, but you got beaten by an incredible bit of skill. You're embarrassed already because you got beaten so easy. And the referee comes in and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, see that great big open wound you got there? I'm going to throw a ton of salt in it. <laughs> and I'm going to do that to you because now you've been mugged off. You've got a yellow card and your manager might be having a go at you. Oh, yeah, and by the way, now you're on tender hooks because anything else you do around that category, you're off the pitch. Mm. So, that, for me, I want to use these fashionable words of football today the game's gone. <laughs> it's well, gone. Yeah. It's, un- it's unenjoyable, Wayne. It's really unenjoyable at this moment in time, football. Especially, yeah, it wasn't a great game to for us to be picking the bones out of. That's for sure. And I did say that I want to qualify what I said at the start. Of that I said, you know, a little doubt about it. And I'm talking about in the modern era when when those kind of things are given. Um, obviously, there's little doubt about what he was going to do given the penalty with that. But like I said earlier, it's one of those that you you are going to complain if it goes against you as well. So you know. It, on another day, that could have easily been a nil-nil game, and I want to talk about um, that then and the selection poll because you know the big thing was oh why is he set up with two men in, in midfield? Um, you obviously got Matic in there as the screen in front of the defence, and Fred as the link man um, to, to sort of start attacks. Realistically, those two players were put in there to protect the defence. Everyone was saying that it's too defensive to do that against West Brom at home. My take on that, Paul, is that I agree, but I can also understand why he did it. We, 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 we've looked at every home game this season, and we could have let in five against Palace. Hmm. And I'm, 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 I look at that and I think, well, yeah, I can see why he's done it. And like, surely that's so emphasised by the fact that it was a narrow score because if you don't have him in then you don't have the right balance. And if you don't have the right balance in this United team, it's catastrophic. It, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying, oh, we would have lost 3-0 against West Brom. But equally, as much as I, I would want us to set up with every single player on the park with an attacking mindset, I think people are forgetting this. it is pretty much emergency station at the moment. And if Solskjaer doesn't do that... He's going to be sacked. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. he, if he loses 2-0 to West Brom at home, he doesn't have a job this morning. So what, yeah. what are people complaining about? I, I don't... Yeah. Well, I, I know why they're complaining. I just don't know what they expected to see based on what they've seen in the first few games. They, they, yeah. I think they've got higher um, opinions of, of... Funnily enough, higher opinions of this United squad than they do the manager. Um, when the, the squad has proven repeatedly that... But where they got to last season was pretty much the highest that they could get, and that a large part of that was down to the manager and his tactics. Um, where, where did you start? Obviously, like I'm saying, I do agree that I don't really. It doesn't rest easy on my palate as a United fan to see us play with two screening midfielders at home. But like I said, I can see why why Ollie did it again, even against West Brom, a team who hadn't won all season. Yeah, I mean. I can see I, I can see one. I'm I'm not a fan of all. Really, I'm I'm looking at it's United just to be more attacking. But yeah. I think with the the centre halves they've got, where positional wise they're not very good. They they lack pace. Totally lack pace. The two centre halves. They're not good 
in one against one situations. But then I, I look at if you're going to look at it and you think to yourself, right, Matic, yes, Matic can do a good job in there and sit in there. Fred, if Fred's going to be your link person, Fred can get around. He's got bundles of energy, but what are you going to get in quality? I think to myself, if you're going to do that, I look at Van der Beek. Van der Beek has got bundles of energy, but he's got 100% better use of the ball. Mm. And then what Fred has got, even though I can understand why he's got Fred in there to add that little bit, but Van der Beek could have done that with more with a little bit with a lot more culture. But I look at Liverpool, and Liverpool played playing a play a system. They're very they're mid, they're very very industrious in their midfield. Have they got creativity in their midfield? No, they haven't got um, creativity in their midfield at this moment in time. Their creative player, which they brought from um, Bayern, got from Bayern, you know, I should say, Thiago, is out injured. If he was in there, then that's where they got their creativity in the middle. Their creativity is generally done through Firmino, uh, i.e. the front three. That's where their creativity, they get all their work in the middle of, all the hard work is done in the middle of part. To get the ball, they make the passing simple, they don't, you know, don't go outlandish. They change the play, and they stretch games out because they, because they, use, they get, as the saying goes, they get chalk dust on their heels. Their wide players to ask the questions, ask questions of the fullbacks, mm. and that's what they do. But so Ollie has to work out how he wants to play, and maybe just look at what he's going to do next. There is, there is an argument that you look at their industrial players at Liverpool. They definitely have got better legs. And better, better, those kind of players in there. They've got quality. Wayne Arman is a very, is very, is, is quality. Henderson gets around. He's, he's, he runs around. He gets about. People say, oh, he doesn't give the ball away. Doesn't make a difficult pass. All you see him sometimes is the ball comes to him out in wide areas and he just hits it first time in the box. Is he picking anyone out? No, he just hits areas. That's, that's all he does. That's all he does is just get the ball and his intention is to hit an area on an on, with an on-running player. That's all he does. United haven't really got that. They're trying to play. I keep seeing even matches to a point, keep going into the back four. I keep seeing um, when he plays McTominay trying to do that. You don't really want either of them there. If you want someone there, you'd have Matic because Matic can go and play centre-half and be quite good at it. But if you're going to go and do that, then you have... A midfield, then you have a centre half who can step out with the ball and play in there and do a good job in there and be sensible what he's doing. Or then as well, you, you would have full backs who could go on. I think Teles can go and do that. And one thing I do say, and I keep looking at, is that I'm a massive, as you know, Wayne, when it first came, I'm a massive fan of Wampasaka. Mm. Love him. There's nobody better than what he does best. Nobody in the Premier League. For what he for what he's for what he's got in his locker, no one in the Premier League can do what he does. But when you look at Manchester United at this moment in time, they're one-sided in their wide areas, totally, totally one-sided as an attacking force. Can can I not to interrupt Paul, but just to emphasise that point really? Mm. And I find Wan Bissaka a very interesting um, example in this. And it's going to tie directly to you, really, because uh, you know that I agree with you completely about Wan-Bissaka. I'm, 
even when people have complained about his attacking output, I've looked at his improvement in that area at the back end of last season where you know he was adding assists and his crossing seemed to be getting better. And obviously at the start of this season, he struggled a little bit. And it's kind of like you're hoping in the last couple of games, last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit of a back-to-basics thing. Just concentrate on what you're good on and, and, and build your confidence back up. Now, why Wambasak is such a compelling thing for me is because... When you sign a player for that amount of money, or when you sign any player, really, everyone says that's the player who's going to take us back to being a title-winning side. So people are expecting title-winning performances from uh, of him uh, to be of that standard. But isn't that the point, really? It's a transition within a transition. I was talking about this on, on Twitter yesterday. I posted a thread about it. But people like, so, they expect one, you know, Ollie's coming in and he's got to restore United as a title winning side. But like we've, you've mentioned Liverpool, and they're obviously the perfect example because that's our team who generates its own wealth, builds in its own way. That's how they've built, and it's took them five years. People forget that Jurgen Klopp was celebrating a draw in front of. In front of, with West Brom, a draw at home with West Brom, and he, he took his team to celebrate in front of the cop. He was derided for that, and that was uh, maybe six months after, maybe three months after he, he become manager. The point is that five years on, they're completely unrecognisable, and then that's the virtue of overseeing a transition within a transition, and that's where United are. I mean, Fergie inherited. John Silverbeck and Mike Duxborough. Mike Duxborough played more times than anyone for United in the 80s. Great servant. Silverbeck, perhaps not good enough. After that, he signed Viv Anderson. Viv Anderson, an, another great servant. Nobody would say Viv Anderson was a failure of a signing. No, would they say that about Mike Phelan. But they were there before you came along, Paul. Yeah. And my point is that people talk about um, Juan Basaka as the signing who was going to be the one who takes us back to the title but they completely disregard the logical football sequence that any player can fail it is a process to get us back where we are it's not just a case of saying the manager made a wrong move that shows he's terrible he shouldn't be allowed to buy another player in that position you know even if it was a wrong move in terms of it's not going to be the one that wins us the title it's still an improvement from what we had under Jose and that's a stepping stone moving forward it's not always going to be the player that wins you the title I'm not saying that Wan-Bissaka won't I hope that he will but I'm, I'm saying that people don't understand even even Fergie went through two players that he signed before he signed you yeah yeah <laughs> um, you know like I say I'm not, I'm not saying that he's the right man definitely what I'm saying is a couple of weeks ago when we did the podcast and United had lost a game especially against Spurs and against Arsenal, I was thinking, look, things seem terminal here. And what I meant by that was that in the normal cycle of what we've come to expect from United, it looked like Ollie's going to end up getting sacked, and I don't expect to see him last the season. I still don't, but if you ask me personally, do I see enough worth investing in to build upon, or is it all spiralling away from him? I do think that there's something there, there's something that he's building... And if you allow him to make the big calls, and you've talked about Martial, Pogba's obviously a big one, and we've talked about him so much he doesn't need mentioning again in this, but if you allow him to make those one or two big calls, you're going to see how his vision looks at United. Now, and the, the overall point, what I'm getting to with this, Paul, is what we saw against West Brom, and what we are seeing in a couple of these games at the moment, is that he's working with a plan B. 
he doesn't have his plan A just yet because all the players aren't fit and they're not all, all ready. So he's, he's working with a plan B. A plan B at a club like United with a squad that's had so many managers gone through it, it's going to be imperfect. It is going to be incompatible. It is not going to be what the manager wants it to be. People are looking at Klopp and they're saying, oh, look how seamless it is. Yes, because he's had five years. He's overseen that transition. That's completely his squad. It's going to seem seem more seamless than what United's ragtag <coughs> Plan B is. I'm not saying that Oli's blameless, by the way, that he couldn't do better. What I'm saying is, what do people expect from a plan B from a manager who's been in there for 18 months? That's what we saw under Fergie in the early days. And, and I don't want to make the comparison to say, oh, you've got to wait seven years to win a title like Fergie. What I'm saying is, this is a natural thing to see, to expect from a transition 18 months in when it's a plan B. That's what we saw on Saturday. That's the plan B side. Because especially when he hasn't been backed in the summer, you know what I mean? He's having to rediscover a plan A because obviously Martial's not the same as what he was last season and Luke Shaw wasn't until he suddenly decided that Tellers gave him the kickstart. He's having to redesign that entire midfield because Pogba, McTominay, Fred, Matic, he's got to work out that combination and he's had to do that from a purely managerial perspective because it... He's had his hands tied effectively in the transfer market. Yes, he bought in players, but we all know that that wasn't the transfer window United had planned. What are people expecting, Paul? I don't understand. I'm, I'm not saying that Ollie's pulling up trees and he's doing a marvellous job. I just don't understand what people are expecting from us. Yeah, well, I mean, you see... Sorry. No, I really don't know, Wayne. I mean, I could answer that question and... I really don't know and whatever I say is, is always going to be the wrong answer because again, this world we've become very opinionated we are allowed to be opinionated, it's, it's a fact and nothing wrong with that at all the biggest problem is is that people suddenly want to con- condemn your opinion they won't come and talk about it and try and talk it through and say why and then work it out from there they want to come in and they want to virtually abuse you because you've had an opinion and that's and that's the world we're in at this moment in time and it's and it's it's not very nice that people it's like that i mean football was great maybe when football fans were just on forums and you, you didn't get any of any like this kind of abuse that people get now you know when the game suddenly opened up and everyone maybe many years ago the greatest thing would have been oh, I want to speak to someone else from another team I want to interact and have an opinion and just talk about things like that we've allowed that to happen and it's just turned to abuse now so it's, it's no fun anymore in that sense everyone as I've said a thousand times is a coach and a manager everyone knows and is telling people when to sack somebody and as I always say, I'm sure you wouldn't like anybody to turn up at what you do at your place and question you and actually put it out there in the domain that you should be sacked. Yeah, and, and, and Paul, isn't this the point? I mean, you look at Ollie at the moment, and yes, it, obviously it's not going great, and obviously what we saw at the weekend wasn't great, but it's, it doesn't feel like it was in the last five months of, of, of Jose's reign where everything was just falling apart. It doesn't feel like that. I'm not saying that it feels like it's going better, I say going better. Better is a very um, complicated word in this context, but you you understand the point I'm making. It's not in a spiral. It's not burning the house down. He's trying something. He's, you can see what he's trying to build. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. There is definitely something there. I don't know whether or not I don't know whether or not the um, the circus at the at the um, 
at the offices at the top are going to allow it to happen. So far, they haven't. So mm. what, what, what gives anybody any great idea or belief that they're going to allow allow Ollie to succeed in anything he he wants to do he's just not he might not just get that time they think bring someone else in you that that will take this little bit away and then hopefully they'll do the same as the way the cycle's gone they'll go in and they'll be there start you know going a little bit of an unbeaten run yes we might get a bit low but we just might be able to do that and there might be a little bit of a bonus he might just be able to 100% guarantee Champions League for the for the sec for the next com- next season as well, and we go on from there. We won't allow too much spending, but then when we get if we qualify, especially if we qualify for the Champions League, we don't really want to overspend we, that extra money we're getting, and we can keep that. So um, it's, it's 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 a very very difficult job what Oli has got. Anybody would be in the same situation, and what is keeping him going is a love of the football club, as we've seen with the previous manager. He didn't love the football club, so that's why he let everything come out. And Ollie is holding it all in himself, in my opinion, because he's love for the football club. Yes, he loves the job, and yes, he mostly enjoys what he's earning for doing the job which he loves. But I, I enjoyed what I'd done for doing the work I, which the job that I wanted to do, and that was to play football. Mm. You know, so Ollie, you know, I, I really do. I see him sitting there, and I, I want to say to him get up just go and stand on the touchline and watch it from there and just just go from there and you know just to do that not that it's going to make any difference you know I still don't know if the man at the stick with a stick at the front of an orchestra does he really make a difference to those people playing the music behind him Mm. but we don't know but just to be there for people to see to see that and People, people will always talk about, look at him, he's on a touchline, he's doing that. Oh, he's getting up, he's angry, he's going to make a point. You know, that, that certain, everyone's different. And because going up there shouting and screaming and doing, you know, suddenly becoming a, a Conte, as the old Chelsea manager the way he was, doesn't guarantee you anything. It doesn't suddenly make you a, a great manager because everyone says, yeah, but he's up there and he's showing passion. Is that one of the things that people throw out every time? The moment things ain't going your way, you look at someone else, he's showing passion. You know, during my time of playing, passion was, people would say it was passion when you're losing 3-0 at home. Someone comes in, two foots you in your knee, in the knee, and they go, oh yeah, but he was showing passion because we were losing 3-0. Yeah. No, he was being stupid and he was being inconsiderate he was being selfish and anything else you want to throw out that's not passion because you shout and scream well and and also when you have a a manager doing that on the sidelines if it's not going well the manager looks like a fool and Mm. and people say well well, look at him trying to make out like it's all the players fault Um, you're damned if you do you're damned if if you don't to be perfectly honest in today's world so as a manager you spend your whole life being scrutinised you can't go anywhere I think before you know you'd just local and you'd be you'd be you'd be walking around if things weren't going great your people would look at you someone might say something things are going great you're getting pats on the back now you can't go anywhere Ollie, you know Ollie's life has changed incredible from this smiley young looking you know young looking old person his, his life has changed now because everyone has got an opinion and I, I say this every time I'm on the radio and everyone comes in and we're Everyone has an opinion on Manchester United. Mm. Everyone has an opinion. Doesn't matter if they support them or not. They all have an opinion on what they all want to read. What's going on? No one's really. People won't really be bothered about 
Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, not everybody, but people are interested in what's going on with Manchester United and Liverpool. They're the ones that get universal. Everyone is there on everything, chat, getting, want to get it off about this. What's, in the moment something goes well, then there's reasons why it's, it could go bad. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, 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 it's a great job. It's a great job, but it's, a, but it's an awful job. There's, I, don't think, I think managing Manchester United, there's no grey area. No grey area at all in managing that club. And it's, it's gone. It's really changed at, at that time. From the moment Sir Alex retired, that job at Manchester United has just gone black and white. Mm, yeah. um, people are sort of saying with Ollie, you know, what, what's his plan? And I've been asked that because obviously I show, I show um, defence for him on social media. But people think, oh, you're supporting Ollie. You're blind just because he's a legend of the club. And I'm like... No, I support the manager in the same way that I supported Van Gaal and I support, even supported Mourinho. We've had those conversations before for a long time. I was like, yeah, no, I think Mourinho was the right man for the job. And I was supporting Mourinho against some of the players in that last summer where he fell out with Woodward. I was saying, you've got to, if you've given the manager a contract, you've got to back him in the summer. You can't veto his transfers, even if it was he wanted to get rid of Martial you would have had to have back it, backed him because it was a manager um, and that that was Mourinho in his last summer and I was still saying that um, I still believe that the club let him down in the summer after we finished second he should, we should have built upon that in the same way that we should do under Ole I just believe that we've seen the best football under Ole um, that we have since Fergie retired and you know it's obvious that he was building towards a 4-2-3-1 kind of thing he wants wide players he wants width in his team he's not been able to sign them and we it remains to be seen if um, the you know Traore and Palestri are going to be those wide players over time Um, but he certainly wants that it's obvious that he wants that he's just not been able to bring in the players he wanted a centre half well everyone could see that we needed a centre half and another midfielder and another attacker we needed all these players and he hasn't got them it was obvious that for a while that 4-2-3-1 was successful for a while with Pogba playing in that so it's a positive formation but as soon as you take Pogba out because of the skill set of the players that are left it looks like a negative formation and and so, he's, like we said earlier, he's working on a new plan A and a new plan B at the same time. Um, despite some catastrophic individual results, Paul, United aren't far away from the top in this bad league. Mm. And, and United's squad is anywhere. And I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. For me, United's squad is anywhere between third and eighth or ninth. And things have to work out well for that top end of that to be achieved. And as I say I just don't understand what people are expecting because we all know, we could all see that we had a, a bad summer in, in transfer activity we could all see that Oli didn't get completely what he wanted that he wasn't part of the plan and we all I think nobody's going to expect us to be better than City or Liverpool with this squad are they? <laughs> do you know what I mean? even with this league it's just Nah, anyway, um, anyway, so let's talk about the games that are coming up this week. Istanbul tomorrow, uh, Rafael back to Old Trafford after his Man of the Match performance last time out. Um, but Istanbul, Rafael included really, team of sort of former Premier League veterans, Denver Bar at 35, you're not going to expect him to be given the freedom of one half for Old Trafford. Martin Skirtle, you know, journeyman centre-half. 
um, towards the twilight of his career United should have a much more comfortable time at Old Trafford even taking into account the fact that there are no crowds in, in you know it wasn't ex- exactly intimidating in Istanbul in the same way it was when you went there um, but you would expect United to be a lot more comfortable but you you mentioned earlier Cavani and Van der Beek coming in they're probably going to play tomorrow maybe even Twanzebi will get the call in from the back and it's going to be those kind of um, selection things that he's always going to not only use his rotation in the league uh, in the European and, and the League Cup he's going to need to look at them and think I need to take these into the league now isn't it so games like tomorrow are crucial for not only winning but also for, for how we're going to build the team you know the plan talks about the plan A and the plan B if formulating his fan it, plan A is still going to have to be part of that process isn't it yeah oh, oh yeah without a doubt but I think it's it's. I mean he can't take the game for granted because the result in the in the last game yeah. says he can't take it for granted it doesn't matter what you ever talk about you just talk about the the schoolboy defending um, schoolboy that that's generous yeah I mean I've, yeah, I've gone that way I just I didn't want didn't really want to get into it again to be <laughs> perfumes I just thought I'd just say that and then people can work it out from there but um, he, he can't take it for granted because he has to win the game mm. he has to win it because if he doesn't win that game and you've got a t- Turkish side for the first time to take six points off of Manchester United in the Champions League. I think it'd be it'd mostly be for the first time they win home and away, and they've got experienced players. I don't know if Dembabar will play because he came in because they was missing their main player in that position, wasn't they? Mm. So I don't know if he's going to start, but um, they have to be careful. Have to be careful. But I think Cavani in these kind of games, you need the players who. Who, the players who are used to playing in these kind of games, and that is going to be Cavani and Van der Beek. Mm. They're both players who have played a lot of this football. They've played a lot of games in Europe, even though we are in Europe, as because um, we are, because we're the UK, we're in Europe. Our football, in the sense of playing regular in playing regular in Europe, is is completely different to the player you know where he's been at um, Napoli you can talk about PSG Cavani then you talk about Van der Baker Ajax a big difference and then you want them to be then be playing in the next game they need to acclimatise very very quickly for United to, for a change of fortunes for something different to happen to change the mould at this moment in time of Manchester United and, and to, to start winning you think if they can get it right do you think if you can start winning games at home, what a difference it would make in this league if you can start winning games at home, you know, and have that, that little bit of confidence and belief to, to start winning games at home. Now, there was something there at West Brom. When you looked at the players there, it, it, there was something that said it looked better, but the way they set up, it wasn't better. So... It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't quite as vulnerable as... I mean, yeah, I know you, you mentioned... The, the the pace that West Brom tried to exploit that's going to be a problem that United deal have to deal with really. But, do you know what could be a difference? And it really could be Twanzebi because Twanzebi is a bit quicker than Lindelof. You would imagine that Lindelof would be the player replaced for him. He's, it becomes a key period in his career. This doesn't it? This sort of like next three months for Twanzebi because if he if he's able to be given the chance to overcome. The confidence knock, which is undoubtedly had to have suffered from after being withdrawn in in, in Turkey, if he's given the chance to right that wrong against um, Istanbul tomorrow, 
um, it could be a platform for him to kick on and having that pace in the back line could transform the midfield as well so you've got these sort of moving pieces all over the pitch which it, um, when is it not critical for United but it certainly feels like it's one of those stages at the moment yeah um, the, one, the one thing I always say is I mean is that if you're going to you know you look at some of the, the better sides um, or you talk of better sides in the past and the better sides of today there isn't that many of what it used to be mm. is that the better sides who attack well they have better defenders of course but they have defenders who generally can deal one on one are brave to go one against one up against people and if there's a chance of them getting beaten they're clever enough to know how to foul mm. put themselves in a position but they're not going to put themselves in a red card position they're going to put themselves in a position of at the worst, it's a yellow card, or it's an obstruction, or they they know how to to maybe to to fall over in a way that it just might catch somebody. They're just that clever in how they defend. They're not anxious in the way they in the way they defend. And there was a few times against West Brom where they were, there was a bit there was a, a lot of anxiety in that back four. Mm. Back when they got stretched, there was an op- there was one when Maguire got pulled pulled out. He got he stepped forward. And, he got, and they got him behind. And fortunately enough, he's managed Maguire to kind of foul the player out into a wide area. That was going up to the K-stand. and That was going up towards the K-stand on that, on that side of it. And he got away with it. Very fortunate. I think they almost got something out of it in the end. But it could have been worse. He could have been going through and goal. So there's just about knowing how to defend. And then you haven't got to worry too much about your back four. As much as Liverpool industrious in midfield... Still, even when you watched them yesterday and they bring in and they're playing with a, a makeshift back four, how comfortable do they look? Mm. How do those two centre halves look? Matip isn't the quickest, but he knows how to defend. He knows how, you know, he's, he does his work early. He, gives, he, gets, he gets his distances right very, very early. He doesn't kid himself that he's a footballer. One and two touch, bang, bang, and it's done. Doesn't put, tries to avoid putting himself under pressure. It's, as, as I was always told, know your strengths and limitations. And generally, it needs something horrendous to happen for you to understand that very, very quickly. I think Matip has had a few issues. And I think now all he's doing, as this saying used to be about centre-halves many moons ago, centre-halves, just head and volley. Yeah. That's, all, that's all you do. And that's what you want. You want the defenders to defend second-half... Lindelof and Maguire were so slow with a ball at their feet. Hmm. They weren't shifting it quicker. And if you do that against average teams, the average team will become better because they believe there's a chance of getting that ball. Because you're slowing the game down, it allows them just to go and sit in. Yeah. And Swan could make a big difference with that. He, he could, really yeah, could. He could. But he needs it as well. But he needs Ollie to believe in him he needs only to give him confidence he's the only one who's going to and that, that means by playing games of football stop keep going back to things when things don't work out in the first time of asking because that's not how football works yeah I, 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 it's a funny one because you know that I, I fully agree with you now like you were saying this for months or last season put Twanzebi and give him the chance and I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. Um, you give them the chance to sort of develop. You know, I can see that Ollie's at least trying to be. He's trying to invest patience, which I think is a positive thing. So, even if it hasn't worked out in that aspect, and now I'm fully on board with you. Put Zabi and he's got to be a, cho- a first choice starter. But then I, I kind, I kind of think. 
I can sort of see again where all these coming from. Not in the. I still think that he should be in, but I still I look at it and I think maybe he doesn't want to throw him under the bus. It's a time of extreme pressure for Ollie, and if he does, it looks like he's gambled on this rookie defender and he's not no, doing no, him no, any favours. I don't. I don't. I don't think anyone is ever going to see him as a rookie defender. Mm. I mean, Liverpool just have week threw in somebody at centre half. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're throwing it. Um, if he throws in players, and that comes if your team's playing reasonably well, you can put those players in. That's that's where the likes of Nicky Button all them come about. Yeah. It's about a team player, you get them in. Yes, it's a gamble. It's always going to be a gamble. If it works, you you take you'll get pats all over. If it doesn't work, people oh well, he was too. People always throw things up in front of you, but generally people say, well, at least he's given them a chance. But it's about what you. If he comes, someone comes in young, and if they don't get it right in the first game. It's about how the situation is more than anything is about what you do next. Yeah. And if you believe in him as a manager, you're going to turn around and say, that's because he was fearful. He, you know, he didn't, or maybe he didn't get enough help from the senior pros around him to help him through, through his games. And yeah. that's, that's what Sir Alex was like. I mean, I look at those Liverpool, I'm sorry to keep mentioning Liverpool, but you, know, you have to sometimes bite the bullet. Every time I've seen a young player play in their team, that young player has looked like a player who can go on. They, even when a young lad coming at right back, I can't remember, Nico somebody was his name, the right back. He, yes, he, he was a little bit a bit jittery in certain bits, but you look at him and think to yourself, yeah, you'd give him another, you'd give him another goal in his, another game. Because mm. I think I've seen so many players at United in the last 20, 25 years, 20, yeah, about 20 years, I would say, young players. Is that right? Yeah, about young players come through and the majority of them, you don't see them again. Mm. They get raved about because they're living off the back of 92, but you don't see them no more. Is that because they weren't good enough or was it because they didn't really get a fair shake? Yeah. So. Didn't get another game. So you have, to, you have to initially believe in them and you can do it. At this moment in time, people, if he plays two and Zabie in two and three games, everyone knows that um, centre-half, being a centre-half is a position of authority. If you can cut it as a really young player, you are going to be fantastic. But sometimes it takes that it takes a little bit of of a, of a while. It's a mature position to be in, so he has to stand by him and hope that he can go and succeed. He's been successful in what he's done already so far, but he needs now for Ollie to play him because every time he's every time he's sitting there and he's watching what's going on in the centre half positions, he's going right, okay, yep. And then he gets a game, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's out again. And you think, well, those two weren't working before. Why you keep doing this to me? And you end up losing him. Mm, yeah. And you will. And all of a sudden, it will come to a contract time. I'm not going to renew. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, and can't afford to do that in a position and lose players in that fashion. If you really don't fancy him, take the punt and say, let him go, because you don't think so. But don't keep doing that and lose him the other way, because as a manager, that doesn't bode well in the long game. No. Um, Southampton on Sunday um, at St Mary's. Um, how, how much a venue makes any difference at the moment, but it's at St Mary's, um, a ground that we haven't won at in the last two visits. They look really bad at the start of the season, but since they've recovered um, exceptionally, five wins in a draw from six games, topsy-turvy Premier League we are seeing teams have runs and slips like we did against Everton um, and, and we benefited from that you would expect Southampton are going to have one um, they're playing Wolves on the night that we record this so we don't know how they 
um, kicking on from the international break but it's definitely a game that we can't afford to take for for granted <laughs> we can't afford to take West Brom at home for granted can't afford mm. to take any game in the league for granted um, like I said it's a place that we haven't won at for, for three years um, but it, it does seem uh, yes Southampton they're not going to finish fourth but it does seem like they're growing more positively it's not like a you know just a temporary spike it looks like they're building towards something yeah they are definitely doing that after it was, you know, just over a year ago with that embarrassing scoreline against them. So, yeah. yes, they are definitely building towards something. They've become a very, very difficult side to beat. They're competitive all over the park. And, again, that, that stems from their manager. Everything about him, I mean, I mean, I saw him when they played at Crystal Palace. I'll tell you what, he did, I mean... I thought I thought there was a ballet. I thought there was a, I was uh, I was watching a, a ballet. I was watching something going on. I thought there was because he's he's wearing those tracksuit bottoms. Christ Almighty! I don't know what he threw down the front of them, but Christ, they were tight. And like he's just you look at him, what six foot three, athletic. You could just see the way his face is. You people, he was a centre forward and he was quite aggressive. And that sums up what sums up exactly what Southampton are. Mm. You know, he is everything. He is definitely, and I don't know who was it. Him who's turned around and he might have asked to make. He might have asked to resign after that Leicester game, and they've said no, or they might have really thought about it and hung on by the skin of his teeth. But I tell you what, what a way to come back, yeah. And what he's done and improved, and he's improved it. And it was a it was a game the other week they played, and nine of the players who got beat nine nil were in that starting eleven. So I tell you, well, that tells you something about man management. Yeah. Two of those players could have maybe faced the biggest grilling of their life. Did he, did he slag them off? Did he really go around them? Did he give them a kind of an Austrian version of a hairdryer? Or did he just there console with them, talk to, them, talk to a few home truths with them, maybe question himself as a manager, and then given the opportunity, he's mostly thought to himself, I'm giving it, I'm gonna, I know how I'm going to deal with this. And he's gone and done it. And he's talked those players through it and something like that would never happen to those players again because they believe they're better people and knowing what to do in circumstances when the game's going away from you and how to stop it dead and not get embarrassed anymore because he's absolutely incredible. If he was deciding that my time's up at Southampton, there'd be a queue of clubs trying to get him. And I mean clubs that want to challenge for Champions League. You would definitely take someone on like him who can go and do what he's done at a club like Southampton. In British football, we all know Southampton and respect Southampton for what they've achieved over many, many years with young players coming through, attracting quality players. Oh, yes, in a beautiful part of the country. But... You have to say Southampton are a tough nut to crack. They're workaholics. They've got so many underrated players. It's incredible. Yeah, there's a real sense of togetherness there. That's um, that is perhaps United's biggest problem. It's not to do with the quality of the teams that they're playing. It's whether they've got that unity, isn't it? You know, that generally that's when United seem to um, come unstuck. Yeah, but I mean, you look at their team, there's continuity there. And I keep using this word. I've used it so many times. I expect someone to come back and have a go at McCoy. Then I've used that word a lot. Mm. But it's a major, it's a massive thing. Liverpool don't really make massive changes yeah. in their teams. They don't, they don't. You see, oh, it's playing him, playing him. Look at the other players around him. When they introduce young players, he's got experience around him. He doesn't bring in three or four, unless it's in the League Cup game. But it's, there's always a little, there's a, there's a good backbone there for someone coming in a little bit fresh to bounce off. 
Mm. And it's no different to what Sir Alex done with all the young players. Didn't just go all of you go out together. I think he'd done it in a few League Cup games. I remember a game at Port Vale. Well, um, I think Scholes he scored. I think in that one. That was the big one where yeah. um, where he put in a few of them, and yeah. there was it's um, a Port Vale MP complained in the Elsa Commons that um, you know the players um, that the supporters weren't getting value for money because he put in all the kids. Um, little did he know that those ticket stubs are probably worth a fair penny. Yeah, this is. yeah. which which team which they done again, and, and you can't blame them for thinking that that yeah. way, you know. But saying that, I was playing, you know, I was playing with them in um, Ponting League games, and we were playing. We was going to games. I mean, at one point we played Sheffield United at Chesterfield. The game was a seven thirty kickoff, so you think to yourself, right, okay, be done. Game will be finished by just after nine. By by quarter past eleven, back in Manchester. We had, we had to wait 45 minutes because of the crowd congestion. Yeah. A surge of people turned up to watch, was watching. Every time we travelled, it was incredible. So, anyway, that's a little bit off key. But going, going back to everything, I think that, you know, he, he, we'll have, you, know, you look at Southampton, you look at the way they've gone, what they've gone and done, and it's a more, it's a more dangerous game than a West Brom game. Yeah. In that sense, because oh, yeah, yeah. again, Ollie, on the back of a poor, poor performance, a, poor, a, a performance that went on a downturn from maybe, if I say it, the best halfway through the first half and never recovered. Um, he needs really, he, he, he can't afford to go to Southampton and lose a game. No. Every game, every game he plays now, he's under pressure. It's as simple as that. Enough. He knows that himself. He has to, what's in front of him. He has to win it. There might be a few games you kind of think, well, maybe, and maybe a good performance might just get you over the line. This Southampton game is one that he's got to go in, and he can't be beaten. That's why. Again, I think he'll go back to his Fred and McTominay. Mm. That's that's what he'll go back to. The difference is though is that Southampton's midfield is quite fluid. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to have the the legs or the I don't know all the discipline. Um, Romanu, is it Romanu? Romanu? Romaru? Romayu. Good player. Incredible. Our Sparky managing there didn't play him. He was playing with the under 23s. What a difference he makes for them. A difference he makes. Nothing fantastic. Everyone goes, oh, but it was at Barcelona. Yeah, so what? He just plays the game simple. That's what Barcelona say. You know, when, you know, you let the players play and then you, let, and then you let the others just go and do that work. And that's what he does. And he doesn't bother him. Does he give the ball away? No. Does he win a tackle? Yes. Does he intercept the ball? Yes. You know, so, um, what's his name? Ward Prowse. Yeah. Very, very underrated player. Just a shame for him, all the midfield players around him in a moment. For the England squad, that's, I mean, that's our greatest strength as in, is England. We've got, we've got some very good midfield players. Ward Prowse, we've got one, but it's for him to make the cut to play regularly in the national team is, is almost virt- virtually impossible. But what a player he is. And I've suddenly started to, start to see the light about him again. Is it the manager? Because he's been around a long while, by the way, and was talked about, but we didn't see it on a, on a regular basis. Now he's a captain and he's leading the team. What a player. Yeah. One of the best free kick takers in the league yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah consistent, consistent free kick takers as well. Yeah. Um, thankfully, he's not coming up against a team that makes rash challenges. <laughs> yeah. He says, with his tongue firmly planted in cheek. Um, hopefully, we won't be giving too many free kicks away um, at St Mary's next week. But it, it, like Paul says, absolutely, it's going to be a really tough game. Um, and one, um, <laughs> I'm sorry if people are expecting a, 
nine mana attack. <laughs> I'd be um, preparing yourself for something like we saw against West Brom. Um, absolutely, because it is all backs to the wall at the moment. Um, as United try and churn out good performances as well as those good results. Um, we will be back next week to talk about those games against Istanbul and, and Southampton. Um, that's it for this week, guys. Remember, um, with classic football shirts, there's a 10% discount. Use TOTD10 at checkout um, on their website. If you enjoyed the show, give us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, that's it for this week. Take care, and we'll be back next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.